Welcome to the Horror Writers Podcast. Join Jay Thorne and Richard Brown as they discuss writing and publishing horror using strategies that work for all genres. Hello and welcome to the podcast, uh, episode 11. Uh, my name is Jay Thorne and with me as always, the co-host, Richard Brown. Say hello, Richard. Hey, Jay. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm just working on a, the next Predators Realm book, so hope to have that out soon. Yeah, I'm having fun in Dead Highways. I'm working on that next one, so it's, it's great. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people are looking forward to that one, so... <laughs> Yeah, they've been emailing me about it every day, like thousands and thousands. Pretty, of it is pretty much every day. Yeah. <laughs> well, tonight tonight's pretty cool. We got a special guest with us, uh, author, hybrid author now, Joe Hart. Say hello, Joe. Hello, Joe. How's it going? <laughs> We're still doing the name thing. Right? We're already, we're already yeah, starting nice. off well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Joe yeah. is. Uh, I've known. What is it? I think we kind of met through through Twitter and uh, kind of mutual yeah. author friend. Uh, yeah. Pretty much, one of our uh, another author, Griffin Hayes, kind of mm-hmm. set up a chat, and and we had a, like a kind of a fun chat with like what was it like five or six of us, and yeah, yeah, we had we had quite a few guys in there. I had Craig McRae and Keith Blackmore and uh, Adam Nikolai. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah, and then like I know Griffin, you know, he he took off early and stuff, so we kind of hung around for like another hour or so, just chatting about whatever and. Joe just seemed like a like a cool guy and an interesting author, and he's really seemed to be things seem to be kind of taken off a little bit for you now. And I know you just got the uh, well, not just recently, but you uh, had the deal now with Amazon through Thomas and Mercer, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So just had uh, um, had the re-release of my first thriller on Tuesday, so it just just came back out. So kind yeah, of not. Odd feeling, just because it's you know it was out for almost a year and then it's you know it's re-released, so it's kind of it's it's a weird. It's not like a real release. It doesn't feel like that since I've been self-publishing so long, you know. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the rank is like super high right now, so it's doing really well. Yeah, it's doing good. I was just, I'm really pleased with how, what they did with it so far. So it's it's been going great. So. Maybe you could talk a little bit like how did how did you go about uh how did they did they contact you? Did you contact them? How, how did you go about getting that deal? Yeah, they. Uh, I think it all stemmed from, honestly, from a BookBub deal. Um, you know, it's kind of how it came about. I did a, uh, I did a BookBub kind of just a promo, ninety-nine cent deal last January, I think it was, and um, and it did well then. It ran up into top one hundred, like twenty-four or something like that, and hung out for a couple of days, and then slowly kind of spiraled back down, and um, but sold well like through February. But uh, I think it was in March. Uh, I got an email from. Um, and acquiring editor over at Thomas Mercer, uh, Sherstie over there. She uh, she reached out to me and uh, she said she read the book and I think that's kind of how it might have gone on her radar. She might have picked it up, you know, somehow else, but I just kind of assumed since it was right after the promo, you know, um, yeah. that it kind of came to her attention. But yeah, yeah, she kind of reached out and said, loved the book and thought uh, Thomas Mercer would be a great home for it. And yeah, I was I was thrilled, so... It seems like that's a lot of the, like, 
the way Amazon usually does things, they look for a book that may be selling well or something, and they, they reach out to the author. I don't, do they, don't, they don't actually take, like, uh, submissions or anything, do they? They, you know? they do. They do through three agents and stuff. They still okay. do submissions and stuff. Um, yeah, but I think I think a good part, like you said, is, is through, you know, acquisitions and, you know, acquiring editors that just kind of go on there and take a look around and pick up books and see what they like. So, yeah. So uh, did they? It looks like they did. They change the cover. Yeah, yeah. They revamped the cover kinda, a little bit. Kind of similar, but it's still a little different. Yeah. Yep. They took pretty much everything that was there. Um, Keelan Burke uh, with the Elder Lemon Design. He did the original work. Um, I love the cover. The original cover mm-hmm. too. You know, it's uh, it was really eye catching and stuff. But they uh, they took it and they wanted to change just a couple things. So they, yeah, they kind of switched a few things around, changed a little bit of the colors and came up with what it is now and yeah it's it's really eye catching so so I'm happy with it did, so they, have, I, did they have you do ahead. any uh, edit any editing on it or yeah yeah they had me go yeah. through what I was I was a little you know I was nervous you know and I'd always thought about this when when a publisher if a publisher ever approached me you know about an existing novel I kind of was worried about the fact that maybe they'd say, hey, we love the story except for the ending, or we love the story except for, you know, like the middle one-third, you know, and I'd be sitting there doing a rewrite for two months, you know, until it was perfect or how they wanted it, you know, but they uh, they didn't ask me to rewrite any of the actual story, um, just a few sentences they wanted cleaned up or they thought it weren't 100% clear, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of grammar here and there, and uh, yeah, that was, that was about it, so well, it was... It was it was really smooth process actually. They were great to work with. So. Yeah. yeah, that was going to be my question: is how much kind of say did you have, you know, in 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 the re-release of it and in the cover and all that stuff? Did they kind of involve you, or were they just doing their own thing? And... They did, yeah. You know, and that was, you know the cover was the other thing because I did love the cover, and I was I was afraid they were going to be like, wow, we're we're going to completely redesign it and stuff. But they they loved it too. I think it was one of the things that kind of jumped out at them and. Uh, um, you know, when they came back with it, it was like they would show me every time, you know, there was something changed. They would say, "What do you think of this? You know, what do you what do you, do you like this?" And so they were they were great to work with as far as that went. And uh, you know, I didn't I didn't have any problems with the, the changes they made at all. So yeah. So, maybe, uh, so what what is the this is the book? The river is dark. Yeah. Maybe you could. What is this book about? I mean, what is it? Maybe you could uh, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, that's my first traditional thriller because I'm I'm more or less a horror writer. It's what I've been writing my whole life, so I um, I thought I'd kind of branch out and do something a little different. And, um, wanted to, you know, I read thrillers of you know throughout the years and liked liked the concept of a non supernatural you know antagonist and stuff. So I thought, well, I'll try my hand on it because I like I like to push boundaries and stuff too. So um, so I just sat down, but I. I, I just I did a blog post today on Chuck Wendig's site um, on Terrible Minds there, and I was talking about how horror kept kind of creeping into the thriller side of things, you know, and I couldn't mm-hmm. I couldn't get it out of there. I'd be going along, I'd be like, oh, it'd be really creepy if if this happened, and it was like almost like a like a monster type, you know, uh, entity was was around. So I I just kind of fed off of that. I kept I kept having this. I had this idea about this ex homicide detective where he had a he had a terrible thing happen to him on duty. Um, 
and he left the force, and uh, he was he's basically flirting with suicide every day, and no real reason to stay alive. And then his his brother gets uh, murdered in this small town in southern Minnesota, and uh, and he basically goes down to kind of set his affairs straight, um, and he kind of gets involved in this investigation because there's there's basically a you know a serial killer in the town. You know, there's been two separate killings and. And his brothers was the second. He was unaware of that till he got there. So then he starts, you know, that that detective part of him kicks back in. So it's kind of that coming out of retirement type theme where he was he had no purpose, and then all of a sudden, you know, in an odd way and kind of a horrific way, his brother's murder gave him purpose again. So um, so then he he basically just kind of takes it into his own hands to to find this murderer and and uh, realizes, you know, in in just a compacted description, you know, he realizes the town has all these secrets that everyone kind of knows about, but no one talks about, and he slowly kind of uncovers them as he unravels the mystery, so, yeah. But, yeah that sounds but, cool. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was fun, it was really fun to write, um, you know, like I said in my blog post there, it, it, for me, the thriller was harder to write than horror, um, just for, you know, the fact, like, I was talking about a like a locked room mystery, like, you know, there's a dead guy in the room, you as the author in a traditional thriller, you got to figure out, a, like, a brilliant way for the killer to get in and out, you know, in something that people won't guess right away, yeah. and then, you know, but if but you're writing... it has writing, to still make sense, you know. It has to make sense, and it has to be viable, but then, you know, like, a, you know, a supernatural thriller, uh, well, the ghost came through the wall and killed the guy, so <laughs> right. that's what happened, so, but... No, it was a lot of fun, you know, trying my hand at that. And um, actually, I'm I'm writing the second book in the series right now. I just started in on that, so um, so I'm going to kind of continue with that character. It's the first book that I've um, left the character either alive or well enough to continue on life to uh, to do a, a second book. And you know, that's that's different for me too. So. So you've never had a series before? No, 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 not at all. And I've always found it's it's a little bit more difficult to to sell standalone books than a series. So I mean, so is that part of part of your reasoning why you're you're thinking maybe go for more series or? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of it's like a little bit of a double edged sword there. I you know this was like you said the first book where I saw a longer character arc for the main character. I saw him going through quite a bit of stuff, uh, and I thought, well, there's multiple novels here you know there's multiple stories to get him across that that arc you know not only the little bit that he does in each novel but this whole idea about where he's going in the long run and I thought well that's that's great because now I have a character that I can stick with for four five six books if I want to and um, yeah all my other ideas all my other novels have just been you know I have this idea and when it ends it's over I don't I don't want to do anything more with that character you know so is that how the story just unfolded, or did you plan it that way? Um, for River? Yeah. For River? Okay, uh, yeah. Um, it, it, it did. I, I knew how I wanted it to end. I knew I was going to leave it not so much open like for a sequel, but, but leave it, you know, like I said, like where he's, he's whole enough to continue and, and do something else, you know. Um, so I, I kind of, as I was writing the book, I, I thought it was, you know, when I started, I thought it was just going to be a standalone. I thought it was going to be a one-off, and that was it. 
but by the middle of the book, I was like, this character's got some got some wheels and some miles left in him. I think I can make more than one book. I, I see him going a lot of different places. So then I thought, well, yeah. And it kind of shaped the ending a little bit, you know. Cause mm. I'm one of those guys that, like, halfway through the book, I change my mind sometimes whether I'm going to kill the guy off at the end or not. You know, what if it's going to be like, well, it was a nice ending, or, oh, my God, that was depressing. You know, it's... <laughs> Sometimes it just totally it's a it's a coin flip sometimes in the middle of the book, but yeah. Sometimes like I you know you don't I don't want to kill somebody because I like them, but at the same yeah. time I know that killing them well that's going to make the story kind of edgy you know to have them die at the end or whatever. Yep. yep. So like yeah. Now with the second one, how does that work with Amazon? Are they sort of get like a first? Thing yeah, they want or... they want to take a look. You know, um, it's like any publisher. You know, they want to take a look at your next work. You know. Um, so you know, I'll be, I'll be sending them probably quite a bit bit of stuff here in the future, and just kind of seeing what they, what they like and what they don't like. And um, I actually wrote a book in between um, my last thriller that came out, Widowtown. I wrote uh, kind of a post-apocalyptic uh, horror novel. Um, it's actually the longest book I ever wrote. It came in at like 125,000 words, so it was, it was a bigger book, but. Um, I don't know where that one's going to go, you know, if it's going to find a home maybe at Amazon or if I'll self-publish it, I'm not sure yet. So um, it's kind of up in the air, but, but yeah, that was, that was a fun one to write too. So, so you're kind of thinking that like going forward, you just like to, to kind of be a hybrid, maybe self-publish some things and maybe if you can get some things more traditionally published, then you'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to kind of keep my options open. Um, you know, if Thomas and Mercer likes something and they want to do it, that's, that's great. And uh, if they don't, you know, if it's outside of their genre or, you know, doesn't, doesn't they don't think it's going to work for them, I'll be, you know, I'm fine self-publishing it too. It's totally, totally fine. I'm, I've been doing that since day one. So it's either way, it's good. But yeah, it's, I always like to keep that option to do it myself open, you know, in, in respect. So it's, it's, I have a good time self-publishing, so. Yeah, I mean, I think it could be difficult to maybe relinquish that control. Like, I've gotten used to to having all the control. I don't know if you can, you know, how, how often they're going to send you like sales updates and stuff. But yeah, like, right now they re-release it, and you you might not have. Do you have any idea, like, as far as actual numbers? No, I'm not. I'm just kind of guessing right now. You yeah. know, I'm guessing I'll hear something pretty soon. You know, but it's. Yeah, you know, I uh, just looking at the ranking and kind of going off my other books and trying to figure yeah. things out. But it's, yeah. you know, you never know from day to day with Amazon what the algorithms are doing, or you know, if you're selling in the thousands one day, then it might be way less the next day for some reason. You know, uh, so, you're yeah. you're killing it right now. I mean, yeah. I looked at the horror author ranking right now, and I was like, way to go, man! <laughs> like way up there. <laughs> yeah, they must have done some some nice promo for it. They did. They did a couple things. Uh, they did a Goodreads ad. I know that one. Um, they did a few other things. So it's they. Yeah, they worked some some good magic there for me. So it was, I wonder what their secret is with the Goodreads ads because I've done those before, man. It did do nothing for me. Yeah. They, they, but maybe you got to throw like thousands of dollars behind them or something. Yeah, Amazon. Yeah, Amazon might have a little more leverage than you do. Richard. They might have some <laughs> money. Yeah. And plus, they own Goodreads now, don't they? So yeah, they yes. could probably just stick it on their front page if they want. Yep. Yep. Now yeah. I've heard things like kind of. Uh, authors talking about how Amazon has like some kind of beta marketing program they're doing and they haven't really come out with it yet I guess but it's kind of underground right now but they're working on some kind of beta thing where people might be able to market through them okay yeah 
kind of that would be cool. I mean, just to to have that option. I wonder, you know, I mean, what they'll. I always thought it would be cool if they did almost like a bookbub thing. Yeah. Um, for like one of their, you know, one of the pages, one of the prominent pages on Amazon, where you could, you know, request your book to be shown for one day. You know, even if you had to book it six months in advance. You know, um, and I'm, you, you know, I'm sure there's thousands of people out there that pay, pay like an you know, exorbitant price to mm-hmm. have their book on the front page of Amazon for a day, you know. So. That was my only worry is it was, you know, how much is that going to cost? Like, yeah. But, you know, they always send out those emails with like, you know, hey, you might be interested in this. It's usually it's stuff that you already looked at and stuff like they're following you, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, sometimes I get my own books. I'm sure you do too. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. you look at your own books so many times, they'll be like, hey, you should go check out Dead Highways too. I'm like, I checked that out like a year ago when I wrote it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I love that book. Yeah, that book's great. <laughs> Thanks for recommending it to me again. I should read it again. But, like, yeah, they, you know, if they had something like that, almost like an email blast thing where you could do something like, almost like a book bub thing, it would be kind of cool too. That'd be great. Yeah. Because, I mean, do, don't they, uh, they do like a, like a gold box day or they do a, deal of the day right like yeah. they, mm-hmm. they opened that up to yeah like a, like a book bub type thing where it was you put in a request and even if they featured five different you know categories each day people would pay i know they'd pay whatever you know I mean, it's, yeah it's people can't so. yeah people can't hand money fast enough to book bub like they they want to <laughs> you know like you book bub turns away so many so many books and people are like standing there with like fistfuls of cash going like please put my book in there you know i can't believe amazon hasn't like jumped into that game yeah yeah i know that's i equate like bookbub in a smaller sense to like apple starting up you know it's Mm -hmm. like they probably had five people start a bookbub you know they're in a little tiny i mean they talk about it on their website like oh we just moved to the upper east side in manhattan and it's like okay yeah you guys are making money you know uh (laughs) So it's like, you know, I wonder what they went from. I'd be really interested to see if they started out of somebody's garage and, and then, you know, now they're in a high-rise studio and, you know, <laughs> all kinds of employees. So, yeah, know. and there was so many, you know, there's so many of these ebook uh promotion sites and stuff. You know, what did they do differently to get all those subscribers? You know, that's it's like you, how do you get subscribers before you really have content, you know, and they wouldn't have really had anything at first unless they're just sort of peeking into Nobody's going to, you know, pay them to, to put their book on there if they've got five subscribers. So somehow they yeah. were able to, to build a list and not only just build a list, but build a list that actually people buy, you know. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of these places where you'll pay and and, and they may say, oh, they got 10,000 people on their list, but, but hardly anybody buys. So, you know, their list isn't very strong, whereas BookBub actually has a strong list. Very strong, yeah. I think yeah. one thing that they have going for them is that the, the clean format. You know, their format is so clean. When you get an email, you don't get any other emails from them except the books that you want to see. You know, they don't have a bunch of ads and stuff on there. It's just the books, you know. Mm-hmm. I also wonder if there's a chicken and an egg thing going on because I can remember when BookBub first came on, they were one of the first ad sites that listed exactly how many subscribers by genre. They could tell you approximately how many books you would sell if you placed the ad. Uh, and I, so I wonder if that generated sort of more interest because authors who would want to place an ad do exactly what they were going to get. Yeah, yeah, I think they did. That was that was impressive to me when the first time I went mm-hmm. on BookBub, and I was like, wow, they have yeah, they have numbers of how many subscribers and yeah, and estimations, you know. So I I actually take the time out to to fill out their surveys mm-hmm. usually when they ask me afterwards because I think 
that's only adding to the pile and their, you know, their resource and their knowledge, you know. So. Yeah, I give them that data too. I mean, why not, right? Like it's it's definitely worth it. It it benefits everyone. But I I just love that idea that they were willing to or very early on just put those numbers up there and say, yeah, this is what it is. Like it's that's admirable too. Yep. Yeah, transparency is huge. I think with especially businesses nowadays. You know, on the, everything you deal through internet, it's that transparency is invaluable. You know? mm-hmm. I just always figured that if I didn't. Uh, you know, give them that extra information that they would just like mark me down on a list where they'd be like, we don't want to take him anymore. Yeah. Totally blacklist you. Yeah. Like put me on some list where the, Oh, if he submits again, we'll just decline him. Cause he wasn't willing to give us this extra information. Yeah. I know. Looking around the room. Yeah. Like me? where are they? Are they? What's going on here? Are they watching me? Oh uh, yeah. It's funny. So uh, you, go ahead. No, go ahead, Richard. No, you go ahead. No, I was. Uh, I'm kind of curious what what a, a day in the life is is like in northern Minnesota, and uh, <laughs> you know, just sort of what you, what's your day to day routine like? What do you what do you do? You know, how, yeah. What do you flow, do in Minnesota? You know? I mean, come on. <laughs> you just turn up. I mean it like that. <laughs> <laughs> there's just there's nothing outside but sled dogs. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know. And ice hockey ponds, right? Ice, yeah, it's nothing but <laughs> hockey and beer up here. Yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> uh, um, no, it's uh, you know. I, 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 um, I quit my job two years ago now to write full-time, um, and I used to manage a gym up here as a personal trainer and managed a gym for six, seven years, and uh, just was writing, oh, three, four years of while I was doing that and, and kind of slowly transitioned into doing this full-time. And um, so, yeah, typical day for me is, you know, getting up, getting the kids off to school and sit down and start packing away at the keyboard and stuff till I have to go get them. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty standard. So. How, how did you know when you were ready to make that switch? I think that's a very – I think a lot of authors want to know. Like they want to be told exactly when to do it, and it's different for everyone. But for you, when was that moment where you realized you could make that transition? Yeah, it was uh, – I really paid attention to that because that was my main focus is, you know, for years uh, I worked a ton of hours at that gym because basically I worked two jobs. I was working, um, managing from like 10 in the morning till 7 at night, but then I would take personal training clients from 5 in the morning till 10 in the morning. So, I mean, it was, it was 12, 14 hours every day, five days a week. And, uh, you know, after a while, I mean, it was fine. I, I did love the job. It was a great place to work. I love my bosses. I mean, they're a couple of my best friends. Um, but, you know, I got to the point where I wasn't seeing my family. So um, always wanted to be a writer, and I just kept pouring time into it. And I, I just figured out, you know, through Amazon mostly, you know, I'm pretty much exclusive with Amazon. I started going, okay, how many books am I selling this month? Okay, this is my average over the last three months. This is the average over the last six months. And, you know, I thought, how many books am I going to have to write to match my salary to come home and do this full time? And I'm, I'm fortunate, I'll be the first one to say I've been lucky. I've been lucky to just kind of people who have been buying my books and reviewing them, and, and I can't say that I did anything different than anyone else, but um, it was basically just watching those numbers day in, day out. How many books are you selling? What am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? Um, how many promotions do I have to run to make this, you know, what's my average promotion when I do a 99-cent sale? Uh, how many of those can I do in a year, you know, um, 
I was fortunate enough to get in with BookBub when they, you know, they were still fairly new, and you know, had them accept a book, and then you kind of feel like you get your foot in the door then, you know, yeah, and you're you like, it's like, okay, hey, you guys like me, all right, <laughs> and uh, you know, so that's that's really what I did, and I, you know, I wrote for, it was over a year plus when I started publishing, till the point that I was like, okay, I, I feel confident enough now after selling this amount of books and I know I have however many novels in me I, I know I can write this much per day and produce this many books per year I think I can do it you know so I definitely wouldn't have left my job if I was selling one book a day you know I would have I would have been like I gotta write 40 books before I can leave my job you know but um, but I was doing well enough and I was fortunate enough to, to kind of have that kind of kick-started a little bit um, and and was able to just kind of put it full throttle when I came home then, you know. So, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to know. I mean, each person's different. Of course, everyone has a different standard of living, you know. It was, we, you know, we didn't, we, I never made a lot of money during my life, so it wasn't a huge transition, you know. I was able to be like, you know, yeah, I can I can leave the job now. You know, I'm not making a ton of money, but I can I can make it work. You know, so yeah. Yeah, I remember I used to work for Coca-Cola, and it was one of those jobs, you know, where it was like ten hours a day, and it was a physical job. Yeah. And every holiday I had to work and stuff like that. So I know what you mean about how you always feel like you just not enough time with the family and and things like that. And I remember when I first published my first book, I was still working there. And, and and that was a good job. I mean, really, it, it paid well. I had great benefits, all that stuff. And I would come home, and the first thing I would do is I would go run and, and look to see what I sold today, you know? Yep. And it was just, like, really exciting. And I would look around, and and I had, like, a, a nice big room with a pool table and a whole karaoke kind of thing. I had a, a separate room that was just, like, a home theater with, like, a projection screen and all that stuff. And it was it was all really from the Coke money. Yeah. <laughs> the cocaine money the coke the coke yeah the money. coke money right yeah, that was a scarface yeah. had all this great things from the coke money and uh but it kind of didn't matter like i didn't i didn't sit in the in the theater i didn't play the all i cared about was just you know checking my sales and doing that and learning more about that stuff so i was like you know what really i would rather make half the money and do something i enjoy than yep. just kind of be miserable and be making more money but everybody's so interested in just chasing money and i think that's really the wrong way of looking at it you know yeah Yep, exactly. No, I was the same way. It was that was actually kind of the second time I took a leap. Um, it was years before that, before I started actually managing the gym. Um, my wife and I both worked full time, and you know we had two little kids, and it was like worked all day. Kids would go to daycare. You'd pay one paycheck in daycare. Didn't see them all day, all week, and then it was like we started talking, and I was like, well, how about if I you know, start doing personal training, which is, you know, way more flexible hours. You know, if you're only doing that, you can kind of set your schedule. And, mm-hmm. and it was like, okay, what do we, what can we do without now? You know, because like, I don't have clients rolling in the door, you know, to, to train right away. And it, you know, we, you just have to kind of sit there and say, what's more important is, it, you know, my stuff and what, you know, going out to eat every weekend or doing this or having that time at home, you know, with the people you care about. So, yeah. You look you look pretty stocky there. You got like some big biceps. <laughs> Been working on the tries and the buys. Yeah, yeah. So what is like a now that you're full, you know, been full time and stuff? Do you sort of have a typical like daily kind of schedule that you usually do? Yeah, 
Yeah, I try to do, I guess, like a lot of people, model myself after Stephen King, try to do 2,000 words a day, you know. Um, that's That's been working out good. That seems about my threshold to try and get that in five days a week. Um, any more than that, I've done close to 3,000 words, but at the end of that, I'm just like, my brain doesn't know which way to go. It's just yeah, like, yeah. just shot, but... Um, How many hours a day do you do? You, does it take you to get that that two thousand? Two thousand good day. I'm done in uh, about two and a half hours. Really? Uh, bad day, it's like five hours. So yeah, it's um, typical typical day. Like an average day, I usually start at about nine, and I'm I'm done about twelve thirty. You know, so about three and a half hours is my average day. Um, you know, and I'll take breaks every half an hour, get up, walk around, check Twitter, you know, mm-hmm. stuff. So, but, uh, but yeah, that's my average day and stuff. So. Yeah, I figured no matter what, like I pretty much can't hit more than like 500 words an hour for me. Yeah. And so like, it, you know, if, if I want to write 2000 words, that means like a minimum four hour day. Yeah. And it seems like I, like I said, I was used to working these eight, 10 hour day kind of things at Coke and, but, but man, working the 10 hour day as like an author is very difficult because like you said, you start to just go crazy like after about four or five hours like you really can't produce much for me at least i can't produce much as good after that no i no, start to my no. brain starts to feel like you said it gets kind of fried and then but i feel like well then i'm being lazy because i'm not writing longer yeah yeah everybody's like well you have an eight hour day you should work the eight hour day and it's like, and plus for me like like it, sitting in the chair, like I've developed like, you know, posture problems and stuff. Cause I have, I've like hunched over like uncle Fester or something. <laughs> and like, so my back will start hurting. So I, I had to get up like every hour or so. Oh yeah. So then if you put in like the breaks and everything, if you're going to do an eight hour day plus 30 minutes every hour, I mean, it ends up being like a 15 hour day or something crazy. Oh yeah. You know? And it's like, I'm, I can't do that. That's just ridiculous. No. no, that's, that's the thing, you know, and I always explain it this way. Like, you know, I, I told my wife the one day because she, you know, I, I told her when I first started working and she's great about giving me time to write and stuff. But I told her, I said, you know, just because I'm home during the day mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you can like call me and it's like, oh, can you go pick this up and make sure you clean that? And, you know, I didn't do this this morning. Can you fold these clothes? It's like, you know, I don't mind helping out around the house, but I'm going to do it after I get my words in, you know. And I, I just told her, I said, I got to treat this like a job like anything else, you know. Somebody... I wouldn't be home doing that stuff if I worked an eight-hour day somewhere else, you know. It's, and I have to treat it the same way. And, uh, you know, you get that. Yeah, it's, I'm sure you guys have both gotten that from friends and family. Oh, what are you doing today? Feet up on your desk, you know? Oh, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, and then, you know, and this is usually I get it from the people that, like, have one of those jobs where they go punch in and, like, hide for part of the day. They're, like, <laughs> off in a factory somewhere, and they're, like, you know, they, they, you know, which is fine, you know, but, but they're, they're not like, I, it's like, you know what I'm doing? I'm pulling stuff out of the universe and putting it on a page and making people up and stuff. It's like, well, yeah, you work for three hours. I worked for eight. It's like, yeah, you make up the stuff that I did today. Then I'll fit my hat to you. you yeah, know? it is. It is kind of interesting how people, a lot of times they won't, they don't take it seriously, you know, what you're yeah. doing. Mm-hmm. And I think you really have to get to a point where you're making enough money where they see, okay, this is serious. Cause like, if you're just making even a decent living, they don't really, they almost look at you like you don't have a real job. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, the homeless person's right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And the minute you move into, like, you know, the uh, 10,000 square foot place, they like they might take you a little more seriously then, but yeah. now, especially you now that you're, like, you know, this top selling author. Oh, yeah. Was, uh, you got Jay Thornbeat now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about 
<laughs> he said you were like second or something. In the, uh, well, probably behind King, I imagine. Oh, I didn't look for, for, for was it horror authors you said Jay? I, I think oh. I think he's behind Blake right now. I think you guys oh, are Blake both and thrillers there. probably. Oh yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, I didn't I didn't even look at the author ranking and stuff. I, I always forget to look at that until like, like if I do a book bub, I forget to look at the author ranking until it's like almost over and it's like oh. That's all Jay cares about. Like I don't <laughs> look at it either, but he's very in, concerned with being validated. Like he needs to always make sure that like that he's up there in the top ten or whatever. <laughs> If this not, is a running like, joke, Joe. Yeah. It's a oh, running okay. joke. Just wait it out. He'll get it out of his system, and then we'll move on to something more. <laughs> I don't know if you've watched any other shows, but we have. You know. Oh yeah, I watched uh, you guys and Nicholson last week. Yeah, that was a fun one. <laughs> that was good. I laughed. It was good. Well, that was kind of an interesting segue because I know you, you you I was reading on your blog. You got a you got Blake Crouch to to read the book, and he left you a blurb. Yeah. So how, how did how did that kind of come about? That went through actually my uh, my marketing manager at Thomas and Mercer. Cause she, she, as far as I know, she's Blake's also. And um, I put on there, you know, we usually do like a you know like a little questionnaire and stuff, and they ask you questions about your books and your preferences, and and I just put in there. I mean, Blake's been an author I've been reading for years. I mean, I love his work. I don't know if you guys have read quite a bit of his stuff or not, but I mean, I read Run when it first came out and it just that book blew me away like I read it and I was like wow you know just just annihilated my brain but um, so I put that you know I, I said you know Blake's one of my favorite authors and I would I you know I'd love to run into him at a con or something like that and uh, so she uh, yeah she handed it to him and handed the book and said you know take take a look at this see if you want to read it and he read it and yeah he really really liked it which was I got that email the one night, like, Blake, you read your book, and here's here's what he had to say about it. And I was just, it was one of those surreal moments where you're like, Blake, Blake Crouch read my book. Okay, all right, okay, yeah, you know. And, uh, yeah, cool, very that's cool how, feeling. That's how Jay felt when I read one of his books and I gave him a nice blurb. <laughs> you, you blurb me? What? You don't I, I must have missed that email. I think it's in I my spam my, folder. I had my editor send it over, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I first heard about Blake. Uh, really, I think it was through Conrath. You know, yeah, he would have Blake on his blog a lot and stuff like that. And and Blake, it was very interesting. Like he, he a very good job at like, uh, I guess branding. You know, with his books, with, yeah. with just just they all you could all tell. You know, you look at him. Okay, that's a Blake book. You know, because yep. because yeah. he did a very good job. And, and early on, a lot of authors weren't doing doing that very well and he was one of the ones that really stuck out to me i'd see his yes. books everywhere and it was so it was so easy to, to identify yeah yeah i think that was his uh i think i mean i looked at his pines books too like his covers mm -hmm. i think it's the same cover artist. i haven't checked into yeah. it yeah, yeah. Okay. it's like the same trees or something it looks like you know yeah <laughs> you know so it's like yeah he, he had like that consistent those big block letters yeah. on all his books and then just all the all those colors and it's like yeah it's definitely identifiable so. it makes me want to write like every book to have like a really short title so i can make it really big like that <laughs> i know boom run yeah jumping out at you, you know? i always like come up, try to you know i'm like i'm one of those i always try to come up with like really bizarre titles at first and then i always got to kind of tone it back because you know the bizarre title is probably gonna well it might sound cool to you it's really for marketing it's not the best thing to do yeah yeah, that's you know, titles are tough sometimes. Yeah. I mean, title, sometimes they'll just—I don't know about you guys, but sometimes they'll just—they'll jump out, 
you know, before you even write the book, and then other times it's like you type the last page and you're like, I don't, I don't have a title for this <laughs> thing. You know? Yeah, they tell you, oh, you should go, you know, look through your, you know, book to, and you'll find a title in there and stuff. And <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a few that that are kind of in the wings, you know, that I haven't put out yet. That are, I don't know what I'm going to call them, and I always want to call it something that's not already been used. So I'll go search on Amazon and make sure that it's not already a book. And usually, yeah. almost everything's already been taken. Oh yeah, you know, except for the weird stuff. So if you want to do something really weird, well. Like I love like like Ray Bradbury like something wicked this way comes like it's an awesome title. Oh yeah, like, I have a feeling like if I came up with something like that, nobody would bother reading it. Oh yeah, yeah. no, like That's midget murder. <laughs> the next Jay Thorne book. Fifty Shades of Midget Murder. <laughs> well, that's what oh. I what I was uh, when I you know I had figured out the title for The River is Dark, it came to me, like it was one of those that just jumped out. It was like, The River is Dark. It's like, that's perfect. That's my title. But I'm sitting there and I think it's uh, Dean Kuhn's Dark Rivers of the Heart. <laughs> I was like, that, I want that title. You know what I mean? It's like, it's already taken, you know? It's like, oh. Yeah. But, yeah. Is the river really dark in the book? kind of is, yeah. Mississippi. Yeah. I don't know if you guys, where are you guys, where are you guys at too? You're on, you down in Florida or where are you at? I'm in Texas right now, unfortunately. Oh, okay. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of pretty much, I'm pretty much from Florida, and I'll be moving back there in like okay. a year and a half or something. Okay. Where are you at, Jay? I'm in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, okay. All right. I get you. Cool. Yeah, I know if you, yeah, if you ever seen the Mississippi, especially you know up by us, it's you know I don't know if it's the clearest it is up here, but it is mm-hmm. nasty. It's muddy and dark, and you can't see a foot in front of you if you're in it. You know, so. Unlike hmm. yeah. on, on titles too. Uh, you know, I always try to think of something that has something to do with the story, but, but a lot of times you'll see titles that really don't have much to do with the story, and it's kind of just about picking a title that sticks out yeah. rather than having to make it something that means something to the story because the person who's first seeing it isn't going to know what it means to the story anyway. No. Right, And once they start reading it, it kind of, the title doesn't matter at that point because you've already got them reading it, and then who cares what the title is as long as it's a good book. Yep, yep. Yeah, I've run into that a couple times. Like, I'll be reading a book, and I'll be almost to the end of it, and I'll be like, where did they get this title? Like, yeah. like it's just out of left field. And it's like, well, okay, you know, maybe I'm not supposed to understand it. I don't know. Well, Jay, did yeah. you mute yourself? Yeah, I, huh? had a, uh, I had a really sweet ride coming down the street. It was thumping uh, some serious bass. And so... <laughs> I thought maybe you had some gas or something. <laughs> You had like one of those looks on their face, like you know, like a baby gets, like when they get gas. Oh, I would have been proud of that. I would have muted that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> Best part of the podcast coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Now, are are your books available at Walmart, Joe? Mine? No. Uh, no. Nope. That's no. that's you know that's one of the things. I know it's starting to ice is starting to break a little bit uh, um, with Thomas and Mercer putting the books out into like books bookstores and stuff. But I know they still run into that. Uh, stigma of being associated with Amazon, so a lot of bookstores don't want to stock the titles and stuff. But yeah, but yeah keep looking at it at Walmart. <laughs> How would I go about getting like a signed copy? Oh God, I'll just send you one. Just give me your really? address. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, you just put him right on the spot there, Richard. Like, what's he gonna say? No, he's on the podcast. <laughs> well, that's why I figured I would do it on air. Well, you guys were good enough to bring me on the podcast. I can I'll, I'll send you guys some copies. It's great. Okay, I'll take one too. Then yeah, I mean, come right. on, don't leave me out, Joe. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> both get one. Well, now that you're you know really moving up, I you know I want to 
make sure I get one before you become like Stephen King kind of status, you know? I'm going to be watching eBay. If that thing ever shows up on eBay. <laughs> It'll be like on eBay like the day like after I get it. <laughs> yeah. For like two bucks more of it. Like, yeah. You, you I'm like, you Joe, I copied and never showed up. You need to send me another one. Now you flip open the book and it's signed like Dear Richard Brownowski. And you're like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. That totally screwed up his name. Yeah. <laughs> No, I don't want him to like you know, <laughs> uh, you know, authorize it to me or whatever. I want him just to have his name on there because it would be worth more. Dear go. blank, and then you can fill it in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fill, in the, fill in the name. Who, whoever buys it from eBay, <laughs> I'll just fill their name in. His name's whited out on eBay. <laughs> so what do you got next? Is it are you writing the sequel or or is it something else? Yeah, you know, I I hate to call it a sequel. I don't know, like you know, I don't know what you do with. Um, I guess it would just be a series, you know. That's like I said, I'm so new to that. Writing more than one book with the same protagonist, it's um, you know completely different. You know, same characters, but totally different situation and and mystery he has to solve and things like that. And so, um, yeah, it's going good. I'm only in the first like seven, eight thousand words, something like that. But it's got it mapped out. It's it's it seems to be rolling along. So, yeah. Cool. So will these books be able to like stand on their like? Would you be able to read the second one before the first one? Or yeah, you know, and that's that's something I was going to talk with you guys about because it's like that was something I struggled with starting this book was, you know, you don't want to do an info dump at the beginning of the book to catch everyone up, but um, you know, kind of just slipping a little bit of information here and there to fill people in on the backstory without completely ruining the last book I found it's kind of hard so I mean if someone jumps right into this one they're gonna within the first 6,000 pages or 6,000 words or so they're gonna you know find out stuff about the first book you know so um, yeah I, I, it, that's been a little tough but I, I, I just tried not to focus too much on the last book and just focus more because I have you know characters that survived the book they're very closely related, so they're, you know, kind of almost, for lack of better words, starting a family, kind of. And, um, you know, so I focus more on that bond that's forming there at the beginning of this book. Um, so, I mean, I think it'll appeal more to the people that have read the first one, but I don't know. You guys have both written or started series or written series, so, I mean, what's... Do you find that that's kind of tough to fill in, like what's been happening in the first book to the second, or you know, what do, what do you guys? Yeah, for for me, I I have two different series uh, trilogies, and I approach the second book really just as a continuation of the story. Like I gave, I think like you, I was like trying to figure out how I could make book two a funnel into that particular series, and I just couldn't crack that nut, and I just said, you know what? I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to like label it book two. I'm going to throw all my marketing and promotion behind book one and hopefully drive people all the way through the series. Sure. Yeah, mine is, uh, my Dead Highway series is, is very much a, like one book. Like it, okay. it, it kind of ends on like a cliffhanger type of thing. So there's not, it's, you definitely would have to read the first one before the second one. And I make that very clear. Um, I know there's a lot of books like, you know, where it could be like a detective or something where each book is like another case or something, which I don't know if that's kind of where you're going, but kind a lot of, of authors do that. And then, mm -hmm. and then they can be kind of read separately, but if you read them from the beginning, maybe you'll get sort of the little things like 
little relationships they've developed with people, you'll get some of the inside things, but you don't necessarily need them in order yeah. to enjoy like the later books. With like Dead Highways or something in mind, you absolutely have to read it. But I plan on making, doing like a recap, you know, at the beginning of like the third book, I'll do a recap of what happened in the first two because people could have just forgotten or whatever. And, and it's very important that they know because it's, it's a continuation. It's really one long story. I just broke it up into, into like novel chunk parts because if I release it as a 2,000 page book, it would just been ridiculous, <laughs> you know? And yep. people complain about that. They, they, you know, they don't like that it's broken up that way, but what am I supposed to do? Like, honestly, if I release it as a 2000 page book and what am I going to charge for it? You know, exactly. am I going to charge $99 for it yeah. or something ridiculous? You know, I have to do it this way in, in, in a sense, because it's just those post-apocalyptic stories too. Like you said, yours was 125,000. They can go on for like a long time because there's just so much to explore there. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I found with writing it. Cause I'd never written really like end of the world story before. So I was, I thought, well, it'll be 90,000, it'll be 95, you know, something like that. And all of a sudden it's like I hit 100 and I was like, no, not even close <laughs> to being done yet. You know, it's like, geez, but it is, it is what it is. You know, it's, if the story's there, you can't just, you know, cause I see reviews sometimes like that where people are like, well, the author just kind of like ended it, mm. you know, they just ended the book. Whereas like they, they tied it up too fast or something. It's like, I don't know if, I don't know if that comes into play with some, some authors where they, they see themselves getting to a kind of a really high word count and all of a sudden they're like, Oh, I gotta be done with this, you know? Um, but Dean you know, Dean Coates, yeah. <laughs> he spends, he spends too much time describing architecture to, <laughs> to cut down his word count. I have, I have, my feeling with him sometimes is always like, he's got like these great ideas, yeah. but, but sort of by the end, they, they kind of just never pan out to being as cool as they were at the beginning. Well, no. And that's, you know, I love Dean. I love, you know, he was one of the authors I grew up on and, but his books have definitely, it's almost like, well, it's, it's the same thing I see with Stephen King is you start out, they started out writing a little tighter prose, a little tighter story, a little faster paced. They had a, you know, a central idea in their head and they just wrote it. And then all of a sudden there are these shining successes and everyone loves their work. And all of a sudden, you know, like you get to, like eleven twenty two sixty three, and it's nine hundred pages. Which I love that book. Yeah. But he could, you know, King and Coons. Now they can just sit there and say, "I'm going to write a thousand page book, and I don't care if you know if I describe someone's shoes for forty pages because <laughs> I'm Dean Coons, you know." And I think I think that comes into it a little bit, you know. Um, well, I read uh, what was that last one of Dean's was. Uh, What's the one? Um, it was like not wilderness or uh, innocence or was it innocence or the? Uh, it was I one of his. Really read him in like a few years. Okay. Yeah. I think the last like I read the good guy and what is else did I read? Uh, the husband or something like around yeah. that time when he I think it was five or six years ago I, I read a bunch of his but I haven't read him in a little while. Okay, I think it's I think it's innocence. I can't remember, but. It, it was one of his most recent books, but yeah, like you said, great concept. Um, at the end, I was kind of like, wow, okay, yeah. But yeah, he he spent some pages describing architecture and rooms and like the frames on windows, and I was like, all right, let's let's get back to the people and instead of the glass and the windows and stuff, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I still want to. I, I do want to read the uh, King. 
what is it, 11, 22, 63. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I really want to read that. I, and, and I guess maybe in, in some, in my brain, at least I can, it can kind of make sense why it's so long. Cause it seems like kind of a really big idea. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, like I did flip through it one day and I think somewhere in the middle, I came across a scene where, where he was like in a garage or something. And it was like three pages of him describing what was in a garage. And yeah. I don't know if maybe all this stuff was completely useful to the story because I hadn't read it. But yeah. it just seemed like, okay, that's a king moment. Like he's, and it, it amazes me how, how well he can see everything because I don't see all that stuff. Sure. Like I kind of just yeah. focus on the main things where he really sees everything and can describe it in, in an interesting way. Whereas yeah. I couldn't describe everything in a garage in an, in an interesting way. Uh, but at the same time, is it really necessary? You know, I think it comes to the question of, of he's, like you said, he's become so popular. You know, is any editor really going to tell him to cut stuff at this point? Yeah, exactly. You know? mm -hmm. Exactly. No, he's like, Cormac McCarthy. It's like, I'm not using punctuation. No. <laughs> yeah. Parentheses, what are those? I don't, I don't use those. I think he had, uh, I don't know if you've read the Dark Tower series. Read the first, I think, three books. Four the books. Early, first four ones. books. Yeah. Yep. Um, I know me and Jay have uh, read all those, right, Jay? You've completed yes. it? Yes. Then there was one book, I think it was the fifth one, uh, Wolves, where where he had like Wolves almost entire mm -hmm. almost entire chapters that were written like in italics. Really? And I think it was kind of a, yeah. It was like from Father Callahan or something he introduced member Jay. Yep. And it was almost like a backstory thing and I think I guess the italics was to indicate that it was a backstory but it was like an entire like it could be pages after pages after pages of italics and most people will tell you do not do that but yeah. Who's who's going to tell the king that, you know? No. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody, Nobody messes with the king. <laughs> no one does well, anymore. Uh, that's for sure. Hey, hey, Richard, we're uh, we're heading up on an hour here, I'm, um, so I'm wondering if maybe Joe could, for our um, audio listeners only, could tell people uh, where he can be found, and then we kind of want to talk a little bit of, for just a minute about Pet Cemetery. I wanted to make sure we didn't forget that. So, but first, Joe, can you kind of uh, give our listeners? He can be found in Minnesota. Found northern in Northern Minnesota. In the frozen oh, wild. I got, I got one question about that. Yeah. How do you feel about Kevin Love? Kevin Love? Who's that? Oh. You don't know who he is? I don't. You really know don't? Is. I really don't. He's a basketball player. He, uh, he oh. played for the Timberwolves, but he went to uh, Cleveland, yes. oh, okay. which is which is where Jay's from. <laughs> so, it's, so it's kind of interesting. But. That, you know what? That, you know what? It's, I'm terrible, but I saw the best bumper sticker the other day that sums up my feelings. It said, uh, go twins and take the Vikings with you. <laughs> yeah. not a sports guy huh? I'm not you know I don't I, I love playing sports I've always I've played sports all my life but um, yeah w watching them and rooting for them and stuff I'm just it's not my not my thing so. I used to be really into them like in the 90s when I was younger and everything and then I, I kind of got out of it and I didn't watch them for the longest time and then when my buddy buddy of mine uh, got me into playing like fantasy sports Oh, okay, yeah. Right, so I, now I've been playing the fantasy thing. It like, makes me want to watch it because I'm like rooting for my guys on my team. Sure. So now, so now I know who all these guys are again, and it's, and it's, and it's cool because before I didn't, I didn't know who anybody was, so you kind of don't care about watching if you don't know who they are. Yeah. But now that I know who they are, it, you know, it's become a little interesting for me again. I know, Jay, you went to like a baseball game recently, didn't you? Yeah. Um, first baseball game of my entire life I stayed all nine innings because wow. I was with my son and we were in Detroit and he wanted to see it <laughs> but yeah <laughs> that was that was uh first time ever all right I'm sorry for breaking you up though Joe yeah where, wherever where can people find you and find out oh. more information about your books 
Sure. Um, well, you can go to well, my blog is a good place to go to. It has a lot of info on there. Uh, IndependentHorrorWriting.com, and then uh, otherwise, yeah, just type my name in Amazon. Pull up my whole Amazon page. I'm mostly, you know, exclusively to Amazon. I got one or two books that are on the other platforms, but mostly Amazon's my home for right now. So. Well, especially through the Thomas and Mercer. I mean, you, yeah. you don't have a choice there, right? Yeah. And yeah. you're so popular now that probably when people type Joe into the, the search box, it'll probably the heart will, heart will be the first thing that pops up. <laughs> yeah. right? I'm still I'm still lagging behind behind Joe Hill. Oh yeah, <laughs> Joe H. Joe H. Hill. I'm like crap! Hill. Come on. Like and, it's not even alphabetical. Come on. Yeah, and it's H A R T for our listeners. Joe yeah. Hart H A R T. When you type that into Amazon. I have been mistaken quite a few times for Joe Hill. Uh, people will review a book or something. Is Joe like Hart that. a pen name? No. No? <laughs> well, you wouldn't no. say if it was, probably. No, I wouldn't. Because <laughs> I always saw it, I'm thinking, that's a pen name, that's Joe Hart. <laughs> but everybody accurate. probably thinks mine is, too, because it's just a simple name, but it's really my name. Yeah, yeah, no, Joe Hart's mine, too. It's... That's someone said that to me when I was in uh, college because they asked me like, well, "What were you gonna do when you grow up?" I'm like, well, "Try to be a writer," you know. Be like, "I'm gonna be un name. unemployed and I'm gonna be a writer," <laughs> and uh, and they're like, "Oh, Joe Hart, that's that's a good name to be on the cover." And I was like, "Well, I don't know about that, but yeah, it's okay. That's it's my name. It's what I got got to work with." So yeah, I think it is good. I mean, it's short and it's easy to put on a cover. It's it's easy to remember and. Yeah, you know, if I had a really weird name, I probably would use a pen name, but mine was yeah. so so basic, and there was actually no other Richard Browns writing fiction, as far as I could tell. They were at least selling anything, so yeah. I know Jay Thorne's probably a pen name. Yeah, it's yeah. sort of a hybrid. It's a Is hybrid. It? Yeah, it's not full pen name, and it's not my real name, so it's in the middle somewhere. I figured, oh, he's he's kind of a dark, you know, horror author. He's gonna want like a dark last name, Thorne, you know, something kind of. Spiky and spiky, yeah. Spiky and dangerous, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. All right, Jay. So you want to maybe tell everybody a little bit about the uh, Pep Cemetery thing we were thinking about doing? Yeah. So, so real quickly, um, we wanted to mention this on air to see what kind of interest there was. Uh, Richard and I were both talking a few episodes ago about uh, Pet Cemetery, Stephen King's Pet Cemetery, and what a big impact that had on us. And we both read it as kids. But neither of us have read it since. And so we had this idea of like, you know, now that we're, well, at least one of us is an adult. But now that we're adults, uh, let's Joe, see. Joe's the adult. Joe, Joe is the adult, right? <laughs> not, not us. <laughs> yeah. The only one here. Uh, yeah, but like now. like The one with the 18-inch biceps. Yeah, not us. <laughs> not us. But uh, we were thinking about reading it again and uh, and maybe doing like giving, giving like this as an advance notice for say, you know, three to six weeks from now, do a show on Pet Cemetery, and in the meantime, anyone that wants to read it at the same time we're reading it can send us questions or comments or, or whatever, and uh, we just want to see what the interest was. Like, if no one's interested in talking about the book, we won't, but we wanted to throw that out there and see if there was any interest. So uh, please, if, you know, if, you, if that sounds cool to you, uh, leave a comment on YouTube um, or on the Facebook page for the podcast and let us know. Yeah, I think a lot of people avoid, you know, maybe have avoided the book just because maybe they saw the movie or whatever and the movie's just junk i mean it's terrible yeah. and, and i love was, i love the book yeah the book was yeah. great the book was like really kind of disturbing to me like how yeah. he how he layered all that stuff in there and i remember it i remember it so well and that's why i kind of want to reread it again just to see if, if I, the way i remember it is is as good as i as I, as when i read it mm -hmm. back then and 
So yeah, it's a, it'd be kind of you know a fun thing. Anybody wants to to read it with us, we we plan on either doing a, maybe a special show or or it could just be one of our regular podcasts where we kind of talk about it and it'll be like our up to date thoughts on it. Yeah. Even Joe, if you want to, I'll read it. I'll read it again. again. I'll join in. Yeah. No, cool. I love that book. That's yeah. That's yeah. definitely a disturbing book. I got the really old copy too. Yeah, hold that up. Where, so only yeah. can see that. So all the YouTube people, can you see that? Oh yeah. I think yep. it's like torn and stuff. And that's the one I, I read. Yeah. I was telling, <laughs> I was telling Jay that you know they for a while there they didn't have the the Kindle version because I guess the publisher there was some something with the publisher they didn't have the Kindle version. They had like every other King book on on ebook, but but not Pet Cemetery. And finally they got it on there, and I was thinking, oh, I got a Kindle and everything. I'll just get that. But then I was like, no, man, I want to read it, you know, old school. Yeah. Like I want to read the old yellowed paper copy because yeah. I feel like it's gonna be a better experience, right? <laughs> That's right. Smell it. Yeah, smell the book. There you go. Yeah, it smells like old, like dusty bookstores. You know. <laughs> It smells like danger and disturbing content, and that's there what I go. want. That's what yeah. I want out of my books. Old well, I, I, yeah. I know you guys knew each other uh, from before, but this is uh, you know my first time meeting Joe. And Joe, I just wanted to personally thank you for coming on, and really enjoyed talking with you today. Uh, really interesting stuff. So thank you for me personally, uh, as well as from the podcast. No, no, I appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for having me on. It's a blast. I like it. Yeah, it was fun. We should definitely uh, chat sometime. Set up maybe a group chat sometime if you want to. Just talk or whatever. We can do that. Yeah, be great. And a Griffin, yeah. you know, he, he had set that one up, and then we never got back. But yeah, yeah, I haven't I haven't talked to Griffin here in a couple of weeks. So I'll shoot him an email. He's a busy guy. He is. He is. Yeah. It's all right. So uh, anybody, you know, uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, blah blah blah. You know, we need validation and <laughs> send us an email. The Horror Writers Podcast at Gmail. Leave us a comment on YouTube. Subscribe, subscribe, and yeah. Next time, well, next week's show, we're gonna have Jay's editor on, so that should be fun. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Well, it's been fun. We'll we'll see you later. All right. Later. Take her easy. Thanks for tuning in to the Horror Writers Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Do it. Do it now. You, you know, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, blah, blah, blah. Validate us because we're very sensitive and fragile creatures, and if we don't get your validation, yeah, um, we're going to If you're in the Horror Writers them. Association, make sure to vote for James' new book because he's been wanting to win one of those for so long. Yeah, ever since I, I got into the organization for days ago. and days, I've been dreaming <laughs> about the Bram Stoker Award. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Studio audience like that. I, see, I kind of agree with you, though. I, I think it's foolish to think that no matter what is being said in the media, that uh, some type of force of that magnitude doesn't have some effect on our brain. Uh, did you find any any sort of like... Maybe just your brain. Maybe, well, my brain, yeah, but I'm going to wear a lead hat, so you won't, I won't, I'll be fine. <laughs> like a magneto, like... Yeah, like the old tinfoil hat, right? I'm going, I'm going back, back to the <laughs> going old school. Yeah. Well, Scott sells those right from his website, don't you, Scott? Yeah, yeah. I think it's too <laughs> late for me, though. If you if you sell a tinfoil if you sell tinfoil hats, it's already too late. <laughs> you could they, sign them. They could be autographed yeah. tinfoil <laughs> hats from Scott Nicholson. They could, they could be like a, come with one of your books or something. Right. <laughs> it's like the L. Ron Hubbard has some uh, 
books etched in titanium that you can buy for like designed to withstand a nuclear attack and they're like <laughs> thousand dollars a page or something.